Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Amen. It is so good to be here. Am I on? Can you hear me? Now can you hear me? Now can you hear me? How come you're saying no then? (laughs) All right. Amen. It is great to be in the house of the Lord this morning and to see each and every one of you. We're one day closer. We're one day closer. Amen. And the Lord has given us another day to serve Him, to worship Him, to celebrate all of the great things that He has done and is doing. Well, at least we got one hand going here. Amen. Come on. You could be in a lot worse places this morning. You could be in a lot worse place this morning. Brother Tim, good to see you. Good to see you. Sister Kara, good to see you. And we will be praying for you. understand you're going to be moving to Arizona. Well, we will be praying for you. Amen. Always good to see you in the house of the Lord. And each and every one of you. Praise God. All right. How many young people got the Holy Ghost? Raise your hand. Brother Colton got the Holy Ghost, man, I guarantee you. Cooper. Amen. So very thankful. How many of you remember when God filled you with the Holy Ghost? How many got filled with the Holy Ghost at a junior or camp meeting or senior camp meeting? All right, couple. There you go. Amen. I was way too old by that, the time that rolled around. Amen. In fact, I was beyond youth age, which is 35, before they even said, hey, maybe you could do something for God, right? You're never too old, never too young. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, then your time is then, right? Who knows what He can do at that point, from that point. All right, we're going to call your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 5 and 41. Hallelujah. And we have, uh, I know we've had at least one request for special prayer at the altar service. Amen. Somebody who needs a physical healing in their body. Amen. We're going to pray for that individual. At the uh, close of the service. All right, Matthew 5 41. And whosoever compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. I don't know where in the world they come up with that word twain. Anybody know what that means? Two. All right. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him two. 
And uh, why would you want to do that in the first place, right? But it says you're compelled to do it. All right, I would like to speak to you this morning on the thought, amen, living an extraordinary life. Amen. God has called us to a time where we can't just be ordinary anymore. We've got to be extra, extraordinary. The only way that we can be that way is with His touch, blessing in our life. It's the only way. It's the only way. All right, would you lift your heart with me one more time? Amen. Going to ask Brother McCune. Brother McCune, would you lead us in prayer? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. You ever woke up and felt like you were already ready to go back to bed? Amen. Wake up, beat, tired, worn out, weary, exhausted. That's before the day starts. And uh, sometimes even that two shots of early morning experience Espresso doesn't quite get you kicked in. That's what kicks me in first thing in the morning, two shots of espresso. Then I drink coffee. But this scripture here this morning is talking about going the extra mile, the extra mile. Not doing just what's required. Okay? Not just doing what is required, but going that extra, doing, putting more into it than what you're required to do. There are many times on the job, Brother Grant, could you turn those track lights down for me, please? I know that working on the the uh, job sometimes, my goodness, it can be quite uh, trying, and you really do. You want to, you just want to punch in, <laughs> then you want to punch out at the end of the day. Any any working fellows ever and ladies ever felt that way? A couple of you. Well, I'm gonna have to raise both hands up because I know what it's like. There were a few times and the automobile service part of it that uh, go to work in the morning a little before seven you walk in turn the lights on and whoa surprise there's a car that has fallen off the rack that the technician forgot to let down fell on its top that you know the technician doesn't make the call to the customer to try to explain what has happened to their vehicle. You know who is in charge of that, right? <laughs> Hello, dear customer. 
Sorry to tell you that your car fell off the rack and is laying on its top and we're going to have to tow it to the body shop. Or I think I've shared this one before where you come back from lunch and there's a few of the employees that are meeting you at the door and they're saying you need to come with us and I just passed the fire truck and I was wondering what's going on. They said, well, you know, Mr. Mr. Eschbach come to pick up his Fiat 128. He got about two blocks away and it caught on fire with him in it. He got out of the car, but his car is currently, the tires are melted to the asphalt and the cars burn up. That's when that pretty much you just want to punch out and, you know, and not have to deal with that situation. Life deals a situation sometimes that we don't want to do anything extra. We just want to get on with enjoying life. And we're going to look at this a little bit but here today, but uh, in the day that Jesus was walking this earth, the Romans had a policy that allowed any Roman soldier to recruit a Jewish person to carry their packs one mile. Didn't matter what that Jewish person was doing at the time. You could have been eating dinner at your best restaurant. Didn't matter to them. If that soldier pulled up and he said, Hey, you, you need to get over here. Here, you take my pack here with who knows what's in it and uh, the rule was that you had to carry it one mile but no further but then you had to turn around and come back and carry on with life as it was but here we have that Jesus in this particular setting he's saying but when as we're going to look at this, Jesus is telling them that I'm bringing a new attitude and a new thought into the world that can only come and you can only get it looking at life and the world through my perspective. And that is that you, when they ask you to do something, don't just do what's required. He says, but I want you to go the extra mile. Do you have any idea what that's going to do to both parties involved? I mean, can you imagine? Let me pick on uh, Brother Sam. Brother Sam, I want you to carry this one mile. You get to that one mile, you say, hey, man. Can I take it another mile for you? Can you imagine what that Roman soldier is going to do? He's scratching his head and saying, what's wrong with you, man? You understand this? Here, Jesus is talking about the spirit of life, not the law, which is just the fundamentals. Thank you for that great lesson, Brother Ali. But Jesus is saying, hey... The Pharisees who are dealing you a bad hand here, 
They're trying to tell you and then add to something that is only required of the law. He says, uh, you need to get the picture of who's sitting on this hilltop this morning. And I'm telling you that there's a new day coming where you are going to have not only the power to go that extra mile. He says, but you're going to want to do it because you're not serving the natural king of this world. When you get an understanding of who it is that's asking you to go this extra mile, you're going to say, yes, Lord. Lord, I will gladly do it for you. And he would go on here. This is, wow, this is, uh, there's so much involved here and we cannot cover but bury just a little bit of it here. But he would go on to tell them in verse 20 of that same chapter, he would say, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees made an attempt to improve on the law. They made an attempt to improve on this for the benefit of the people. You know how they did that? They added uh, 613 laws, which included 365 negative, one for each day, and then they included 248 positive, I guess, you know, to lift you up a little bit when they were trying to bring you down. You see, men's attempt to live according to God's expectations on their own. The Bible calls it righteousness. He deals with it here in this chapter. But men's attempt to live a life that is pleasing to God without God involved inside of them is like trying to put your hand out and stop the waters of the Red Sea on your own. You can't do it. When you are trying to live for God, you got to have Him inside of you. Cooper, you got to have the Holy Ghost inside of you. Mason, you got to have Him inside of you because the natural man says, I only want to do this part, God. But God says, no, son. He says, when you get a hold of who I am and what I'm trying to do in your life, you're going to want to go that second mile and not even ask me why. Amen. In the teaching of what we call here the Beatitudes, at least the first uh, 12 scriptures here, Jesus is trying to introduce his kingdom into the world. How many of us know what the kingdom of God is currently in the world? Thank you, Brother Long. Hello again. Say that again. And then there's another verse that says what? Thank you, Brother. Hello. How many of you got the Holy Ghost this morning? Come on, how many of you got the Holy Ghost this morning? How many of us are in good standing with God this morning? How many of you are filled with the joy this morning? How many of you are filled with the peace of God this morning? That's what God says I'm bringing into the world. 
Religion says uh, that you've got to do this and you've got to do that. But when I get through with you or when I get in you, He says, I'm going to give you the desire uh, that compels you to go that extra mile. You don't want to be ordinary. You want to be extraordinary for His glory. That's why in John 20, 22, after the resurrection, Jesus breathed on him. And he said, I love this. He says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whoa. What in the world? Amen. We know that there can be no doubt Jesus was speaking of a new breath of God or the new birth of God. We know that that breath of God came on the day of Pentecost. That breath of God came as the sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the entire house where they were sitting. That was the breath of God. In fact, we're told Colossians 3.10, listen to this, says that we've put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us. According to Strong's Concordance, the word renew here is not just something different, but it implies something all together superior. When the Bible tells us that when we come out of that water after we are baptized in His name, the Bible says, all things become new. God is not implying here that is just something different or something new. He says, no, you need to understand that when I get inside of you, when my spirit resides inside of that temple, that you are altogether superior than anything that you've ever been before. Not different. But you are superior in every way. The Holy Ghost or the breath of God produces or adds the extra to the ordinary. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. (laughs) After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Power to do what? Jesus said in one place, He says, I give you power to overcome everything. Everything. Ordinary. No special quality. Commonplace. Unexceptional. How many of you want to be ordinary for God? I think we have, as one writer said, he says, Christianity today, 
He says it's a mile wide and an inch deep. Hello. Bible says that you, you, need, to be on, you need to be careful of those who have the appearance of godliness, but they deny the power. What power? How about the power of Jesus Christ being the invisible God enrobed in flesh? How about the power of God that the Spirit that created the universe inside of me, giving me the power to overcome and live in a blessed life? How about the power of God that will set you free from alcohol and drugs and oppression and depression? You don't need to be depressed today. You don't need to be depressed. You need to be possessed by the Holy Ghost and a knowledge of who He is in you. You need to be possessed of God. We give so much credit to the adversary. Oh man, they're oppressed and depressed and, and, and whatever by the devil. Well, I'm not saying that's not happening in the world, but you know what? Forget that nonsense. I want them to know and I want the adversary to know that I am possessed by the Holy Ghost. I am possessed by this Word of God. I am possessed. Matthew is the only gospel writer to record what has been referred to you need to, this, boy, I'm telling you, this is powerful. That fifth chapter is powerful stuff. Five, six, and seven. But we're just going to lightly touch on a little bit of chapter five. Matthew's the only gospel writer record was been referred to as the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. Amen. Jesus climbs a mountain, sits down, begins to teach. This is often referred to as his inaugural address. Just imagine. Imagine if it were true. If it were true that the invisible God became one of us. And after he had proven himself as humanity for the first 30 years... After he walked into the wilderness and he defeated the enemy of your soul on the enemy's ground. After he was baptized of John and after John recognized him and declared him to be the perfect Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Imagine if it were true that God would sit down and have a discussion with humanity and the first, really the first pertinent message that he had to the world would be this. The first word out of his mouth. Blessed. Blessed. When he created Adam and Eve, what did he say? What did he do? He blessed them. 
give the, the, the world has got it so upside down. They feel like that you and I, because we believe in a lifestyle that is transforming by this word and by the Holy Ghost, that we do not, we are not conformed, nor are we part of this world. We are in the world. They got it upside down, though. You see, if in fact that was God in flesh sitting on that mountaintop telling me how to live a life that was going to be blessed by Him, you know what? I want Him to tell me everything that I got to do that I got to know in order to do that because I'm of the type of person that I want to embrace and I want to squeeze each and every drop out of life that brings me joy that brings me peace that brings me righteousness in the in the eyes of God I want to hold that I want to embrace that because then I know my life will be fulfilled and not being filled by the things of the world. Not being filled by, you know, the good things of life. I like good things. I do. I like, you know I like a nice car. I like nice things. But the nice things in this world are temporary. What, what the God what the God man was doing when he was sitting on that mountaintop, he said, okay, sit down. He says, I want to give, I want to start this thing off by telling you, by introducing you a perception that you can only get through the lens of the gospel, through the lens that I'm trying to enlighten your eye. He says, the world, the Pharisees have got it upside down. They try to get you to obey the letter of the law. He says, but when you get the spirit of this thing, then you are going to say, hey God, not my will, but your will be done. Because when you start blessing me, guess what? Not only then do I become, do I become blessed by God, but then I can bless others. You know what I'm going to bless them with? I'm going to bless them with the things that God blesses me with. I can bless you with a coin. Here you go. That's worth like nothing. It's a memento coin. Fathers, we like to do that, don't we? Sure we do. Moms, you like to bless your kids? Sure you do, man. I, my grandkids are the most, other than Finn, they're the most sp, sp, blessed. I mean, I called Devin last night and Cooper, see how they're doing because mom and dad are out. And, and I says, well, did you get anything to eat? He said, oh, yeah, mom had pizza sent. I said, What? But you, you understand, we would do, but you can only bless your children with what you have. And if all you have is the temporal things in life to give them, may I ask you what you will do when the day arrives? What have you put into their hearts, Brother Ollie? What have you 
What have you determined to instill into their lives that is not just going to benefit them, but is going to benefit their families and to all those that they come in contact with? You can only give what you receive. And that's what Jesus was trying to do here. He was saying, hey, I want you to know you need to take this moment you need to get a hold of it, and you need to understand the Pharisees couldn't do it. They tried to add to it. 613 additions. Wow. Doing good. You see, humanity, we were created in the image of God. How many of you believe that? We were formed by His hands right out of the dirt. We received the breath of God. The Bible says that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam. He was awakened unto life. A living soul. A living soul. That means that he was separated from the beginning from all other forms of life. No other form of life has a soul. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe the cabbage patch does or something, right? No. The only thing that's got a soul, the only thing that's got a soul is you. You have a soul that is God-breathed. The problem being, as we know, that Adam failed God. He sinned. He sinned, broke, separated that relationship with God. That did not stop God. God said, I'm going to implement a plan. He says, I'm gonna, I've got a plan in mind. And the plan is to get you back to the place in the beginning. You understand? He wants to take you and me back to the place of paradise and the garden. He wants to take you into a place where there is no death. There is no boogeyman. There is fact there's no one that wants to do you any harm in the place that I dream about and read about. A place where you no longer have to care about your children, whatever goes on in their day-to-day -day lives. Come on, parents, raise your hand if you're concerned about what society and what's going on with your kids and how you how you're gonna protect them and how you're gonna educate them and how you're gonna keep the the word of God instilled in their lives and keep them in a proper balance of life. Tough. We live in a day where God is asking. He is compelling the church. He is telling us, church, you are in a day where you must go that extra mile. But be, be uh, assured that when you put out the effort, that I'm going to put the extra in that mile for you. It's not something that you're going to have to do on your own. I'll put the extra in that mile. You just keep shining as a light in a dark place. You keep being that salt of the earth. You keep your family from decaying. God says, here we go. Immediately the plan of redemption requiring the blood atonement. Leviticus 17.11 the life of the flesh is in the blood. I've given it to you. Oh, this scripture is so powerful. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul. 
Adam, for your self-righteousness is as filthy rags. Fig leaves don't work. Skins of animals, the blood of goats and bulls, will not serve as a covering for your sins. You can never regain your original righteousness or perfection with God until He comes. And when He comes, Isaiah wrote... He says, and when he comes, he's going to come in the full volume of the book to do the will of God. A sacrifice, the Bible says that he will prepare himself a sacrifice. He will put his life on that altar for the atonement of the soul that you carry around with you and will be for eternity. He said, I will come. I'll come in the volume of the book. It's written of me. Till that second Adam comes. There's no ordinary plan God has in mind. There's nothing ordinary about God. There's nothing ordinary about God. He's so far out there that you and I, unless we view it through the perspective of the Word of God and through the unction of the Holy, we can't even get a little glimpse of what, how big and how powerful He is unless we look at it through here, unless we feel it from the inside and it radiates outside. We, we don't have a clue. We, he's so big. Fly a billion light years out into space and he'll still be there. The plan of redemption will require the infinite God to take on finite flesh for a season. Think about that one for a moment. The infinite God. For just a time and a space he would take on finite flesh in order to complete the redemption that would put us in a place of perfection in His eyes. Not your self-righteousness. Not that even we are saved by grace, but still we are just a sinner saved by grace. As John would write, the Word became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. My goodness, and when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those that were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I'm a son of God through the adoption new birth process today. Don't try to tell me, world, that I'm not because I am. I am a son of God through the adoption process. That's why Jesus said, oh, and excuse me, he doesn't end there, but he says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. 
I'm an heir of God. I am part of the family of God. That God chose to name everything under heaven and earth and give him power over everything and allow and one day require that every knee would bow to the name and the only name that will bring you salvation. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. That is the infinite God revealing himself to humanity, not just through the law, but revealing himself in the body and the character and the personality and the intellect and the compassion and the heart of God. When you see Jesus, Philip, you have seen everything that you will ever see of God. You will see the infinite God enrobed in flesh reaching out for you, trying to save you through the blood atonement of the cross. John wrote, he says, I'm not born, we were not born of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but we're born of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a natural mama. But you know what? When I received my new, new birth experience, I became a citizen by the family that I was born into, the second Adam. I was born into the family of the perfect Son of God. And when I received that birthright, I became an heir with Him. We could go on, but we can't. It was Matthew's intent to prove and proclaim to the Jewish nation that Jesus was their long-awaited Messiah King. Here then is the eternal King sitting down and introducing the spirit of His kingdom. One man writes this, he says, In the Old Testament, the primary purpose and evidence of God's righteousness was the deliverance of those in bondage, the oppressed, and the needy. The primary focal point of this deliverance was that of the children of Israel out of Egypt. God in His righteousness delivered His people who were in bondage, oppressed, in need, and mistreated. In the New Testament, the righteousness focuses on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Deliverance from death for every person. Deliverance from death for every person. Death, where is your sting? Deliverance from death for every person. And freedom. And freedom from sin's bondage. For the development to humanity's full divine potential and purpose. You are born again. Jesus will bring it out here. 
But he says, when you get an understanding of what I'm trying to tell you today, he says, you are going to be a light. You are going to be the salt of this earth. And you are going to do it for one purpose. You are to bring me glory. You are to glorify my name while you are walking this earth. You are a light. Wow. Deliverance from death. Freedom from bondage. And the possibility of growing and maturing into, I wonder, what is a man or a woman's full divine potential in the purpose and the will of God? What is the what is the maximum that you can do with God in your life? What can you do? I know we got to be out there a little bit to believe that Joshua prayed and stopped the sun. Got to be out there a little bit to believe that kind of stuff, right? Really? Yeah, really. Really? 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 Yeah. Looked at the sun. He said, Lord, put the stops on it. Because I need a little bit more time to defeat the enemy. And once we do... The world is going to know that you did it, not me. I was just willing to go the second mile and not punch out at 5 o'clock. I needed more time. He begins by, blessed are those. Blessed are those. Wow. What does that mean? It means that he is trying to convey to humanity, the God man, the God man sitting on the hill. Yeah, sitting on the hill. His inaugural address. Wow. And what does he want to do? He wants to bless you. What does that mean? That means that that you are deeply fortunate or well off or it's a transcendent happiness or joy unaffected by outer circumstances. In other words, he's saying, what I give you. Hey, give me that coin back. It wasn't for, give me that thing, man. See, the world can take back some things. But they cannot ever take back from you what God blesses you with. You, Sister Leona, you are a magnificent Christian example of your faithfulness to God through some very, very 
In fact, I don't know how they could be any more difficult circumstances. There she is. Brother Tim, you talk about a man that always wants to be in the house of God and for health reasons. Sometimes he can't get here because he don't have any way to get here. And yet I've met somebody, we're talking this morning, I've had people call me and say, you know, funny, right? They said, Pastor, I can't make it today. Well, why not? Because I forgot what day it was. That's a true story. Or I've had, I've had some good ones, right? I won't, one I won't share with you, I better not. What's your circumstance today? Where are you at? Where are you at? There really needed to be a few more people here to get this. Because there are some here today that you, you just, you think you can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. You've gone what you believe has been required and you hope is pleasing to God. But something inside of you, I would like to say possibly it's the unction of the Holy Ghost, is telling you that you need to go further than what you have today. You need to put a little bit of effort in your spiritual walk with God. God says, if you'll take the step, I'll put in the extra. Some of us are okay with ordinary. I've, I've never been ordinary. Okay, I'm just telling you. Ordinary. Who wants to be ordinary? Who wants to be run of the mill? You understand, I'm, I'm talking about a balance here, but there's a, who wants to be who wants to be just ordinary? I like, I like what the sons of thunder, they, they did it in the wrong spirit, but I like when they came and they even had mama come and they said, Lord, we want to sit on the right hand or on the left hand, man. Whoa. Settle down a little bit there, boys. Huh. I like that. I like the... I don't like the, the way that Jacob went about dad's business, you understand? But I do like the spirit that compelled him. As you stand with us here. Blessed are those. Poor in spirit. What does that mean? Humility. Humility. Is the first one that he brings. You know what that is? Self-emptying. Anything with self. In, in your walk with God sometimes can be a... You, you need to be careful. Especially when it comes to selfies. 
There's a connection there, trust me. But what does not exist in this lands that Jesus, the God-man, is bringing the gospel into the world, pride, arrogance, Ooh, here's one. But, 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 I just, oh, I just, I, I, you know, Jesus was bringing out to a deeper level here because they already had laws against murder, right? They had laws against murder. But he was saying, hey, I'm telling you that if you get angry, huh, what did he say? like you murdered somebody whoa 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 you see he was bringing it down in not just the physical sin not just the action but he was moving into the root of the problem and that's in the heart and in the thought process of the mind There's a reason why that Paul writes in Romans and he says what? He says, I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. And then he goes on to verse 2 and what? Be ye what? Transformed by what? And be not conformed you know what that the world is trying to get you and me at odds not just with political adversaries and racial barriers but if they can the enemy has been at it for quite a while what he really wants to do is he wants to bring friction into the assembly that's what he really wants to do. He wants to, he wants to get you so upset at me that you just, you, don't, you won't kill me, but you want to, okay? That's what he really wants to do. He wants to make you so mad at your brother and your sister or whatever that you just can't wait to get out that door so you can hide in a corner and, boy, and beat the living tar out of them invisibly. Oh, come on. The Amplified reads, poor in spirit as those devoid of spiritual arrogance. As John said, I must decrease, he must increase. In other words, I can't have aught against my brother. I can't do it. There's so much there. Why? Why, preacher? Why do you, 
Why do you keep doing the things that you're doing? Why, why do I keep preaching? Why do I keep trying to, to, to help people? Why, why, do we, why do we do the things that we do? Well, because of this. I'm not serving Caesar today. I'm serving the new king. I'm willing to carry my part of that cross down that road to, that is going to lead me to that new Jerusalem. I'm willing to do that. Why you do? Because I am bringing as much as in me. If I live the life that God wants me to live through the pursuit, the pursuit of perfection that can only be found in Him, I'm going to be a light to someone that will possibly get them to a place of repentance and water baptism and save their soul for eternity. For eternity. The spirit is willing, but oh boy, that flesh is weak. <laughs> Whew, I want to do something for God. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. oh come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd rather eat ding-dongs and, you know, drink chocolate milk and eat pizzas and play video games. <laughs> I say that with, you know, laughable, right? Lord, I want to be more kind, but... I want, I want to be more gentle, but I just sometimes... That person just rubs me the wrong way. Huh. I don't commit sexual sins, but I like to think about them. He ups the ante, folks. He ups the ante. He's saying, you got to understand that in my kingdom, because I'm perfect, there is no blemish in me. I'm here to find a bride without or the extra ordinary life. We are a great group of people here, folks. I'm, I say that from my heart. Great group of people. You are absolutely a wonderful group of people. But it's not all about us. In a large part, it's about them. It's about your children and about your grandchildren. And you can't afford 
to lose the perception through the eyes of Jesus that you only want to do a certain amount. The Holy Ghost says, no, 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 no. You need to realize where you're living today, man. You are living in the day that the prophets desired probably to look to because they knew that the clock was tick, tick, tick. We're going to open the altar here. Be transformed and progressively changed by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and attitudes, which is the perfect will of God. You know the scriptures. You know.